Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, <clears throat> just one quick thing before we get into our uh, Bible lesson for this morning and the sermon. Uh, normally, we have Omega Hour right after church. Today, we're, we're canceling and bumping that. Um, we're having an elders meeting instead. Long story short, December is busy, and everybody had something going on for the last three weeks, and gosh, we got to get an elders meeting in. So we're doing an elders meeting instead um, for any elders who are already here. We're going to meet in that room back around to the left. So that's where we're going to be. Um, today we are in this sermon series, What He Said About the Messiah. The whole year we're doing What He Said About. Today, What He Said About the Messiah and specifically, we have this verse that Dan referenced earlier from Isaiah, to us a child is born. And hopefully you're noticing, and hopefully you've noticed by now, if you've been worshiping for a while, our, our uh, songs all pretty often tie directly into our, our readings of the day. So we've been singing all about this, a child is born, a son is given. We're going to go into why is that such a big deal uh, in our message this morning. So this is from Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a, a great time of year to get into some fun biblical hermeneutics interpretation and all of that because we have a lot of these Old Testament prophecies that I'm sure you've heard a thousand times. Uh, you've, you've come to church in, in December during the Advent season. You're going to hear Isaiah. That's just the way it is. You're going to hear um, from the Gospel of Luke. You're going to hear from Matthew, the first couple of chapters of both of those. You're going to hear the stories you've heard a thousand times, but it's a great opportunity to look at them again in Isaiah because oftentimes we, we read these with the wrong lenses. The wrong lenses, which is why the first point for the sermon is bad prescriptions. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything else, right? But, but you, looking at something through the wrong lens um, is really problematic. I don't know about you, but I, I wear contact lenses, and I have for, for decades now. I hate saying that, but it's true. Uh, I had glasses for a little bit in high school, but I just, A, couldn't keep them on my face and remember, and B, I would constantly break them. So at one point, I just had to learn to do the contacts. You remember how, like, how horrific it is, any contact words here? The first time you're putting it in, you're like, ah, because like your whole life, you keep things out of your eyeball, and then like, no, we definitely want to put this in your eyeball, and how just, it would take an hour to get each contact in. But then also, you guys remember, like, especially if you were younger when you started wearing contacts, and you're in college, and you just don't care anymore, and you can like stick them in at two in the morning, or just like you're out of contact juice, you just spit in your hand and kind of rub it around a little bit. Don't tell, yeah, see, I knew I wasn't the only one. I knew I wasn't the only one. The ladies are like, oh, that's gross. Who would do that? All of your husbands, right? So you stick it in there. I, I one time, and I don't know exactly what happened. I can't remember what happened, but I, I put my contacts in, 
And I'm walking around, and nothing is right. Like, everything is so strange, you know? Like, it's not out of focus, but it's it just, and I'm starting to get a headache. And over time, I'm like, oh, there's got to be something wrong with my contacts. So I'm taking out my contacts. I take my contacts out, and I look up, and I can still see. Like, this is weird. I've been miraculously healed. And I was like, this is so strange. And I'm trying to figure it out. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I pull out another set of contacts. And I was like, oh, I have no idea to this day how I got two sets of contacts in. But I was wearing, essentially, I don't know if that doubles the prescription. I, I don't know what happens, but it's, it doesn't work, is, is what I'm saying. But, but looking through lenses that, that aren't right for your eyeballs just makes the world seem funny. It, it has the basic correct shape, form, and I, I mean, I could read, I could see faces and stuff, but there was just something off. When we read Isaiah and many other texts from the Old Testament, sometimes we put the wrong lens on. Um, sometimes that, that wrong lens includes all of this historical stuff and, and, and seeing just the, the, the times of, of the writing itself. Because there was a king, Ahaz, and there was going to be a king, Hezekiah, and, and we read in here, this, this son is born, and government, and oh, it's talking about these, these kings in succession, and that's how the monarchy would shift from one to another, was the son of the king, and this one will be great. He'll be wonderful counselor, mighty God. This king is going to be awesome. He's going to be on the throne of David, and we see just the historical context of it. Well, that's one lens, and it's, it's not necessarily entirely inaccurate. It's just that it's, it's not the full correct lens. And sometimes we read this in terms of even our, our current global circumstances, right? There's, there's people right now engaged in warfare over the historical context of texts like this. Right now, bombs are being dropped, because the reading of texts, this one and others, about kings and land and all of those things. We can read this in terms of our own um, personal context. And this one is, is really interesting. Oftentimes when we're reading scripture, we think to ourselves, what is this, this saying to me? I had, I had this all planned out, had this message done, and somebody sent me, of course, a TikTok. Um, I don't have TikTok. I don't, I don't have TikTok, but I have Instagram. You know how that is? Instagram is like Walmart version of, of TikTok, because you can still send this stuff. So I, so I have people, this is like one of my, my growing areas of ministry is just a, a quick message that is, what do you think of this? <laughs> right? And usually I'm like, this is garbage and forget about it and, and don't pay attention to this guy. But there was this guy and he was, he was preaching, this pastor's preaching, and he says there's different ways to look at scriptures and he's kind of doing the same point I'm doing right now. And, and exegesis is you read the scripture and, and you have it in context and you're, you're pulling out something that is useful. Eisegesis, we, we don't like. That's when you have an idea and you try and read the idea into scripture. And then, and then this guy had this great phrase, right? This great phrase of, of when you just try and see yourself in scripture. He calls it narcissus. 
I was like, well, this is a great word. And like, I can't take credit for it, but it's now mine. I'm going to use this all the time. Narcissus is reading scripture and going, oh, this is about me and my life. Because just like Isaiah, I am in need of a king. And it's me, right? And, and I'll be king of my world. Or we, we read the scripture and we think, well, when I have King Jesus in my life, well, then obviously justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, I should be the agent of justice and bring justice to people, especially those I don't like or have done me wrong. Then I, I will bring justice to them. Or we, we complain because I don't feel the justice and righteousness in my life. And it's right here, right? It's all right here. This is about me, right? Wrong. <laughs> it isn't about you. The, the correct lens to read all of Scripture through is Jesus. The, the New Testament, we all, of course, obviously, but the Old Testament too. The Old Testament is all about Jesus. It's, it's this future promise, but we even have the, the activity of God, of, of God himself. And Jesus being God himself obviously then is active in the Old Testament. You can't read the Old Testament and, and have the clear understanding and, and, to, and to see what's really going on, what God's activity is, without Jesus. And that's why people get it wrong all the time. They, they read the Old Testament and they think, man, God was acting so differently until Jesus. Because you started seeing Jesus when he was born in a manger. <laughs> it's conveniently inconveniently located, right? I'm trying to preach around this, and it's strange. <laughs> so Jesus changes everything. As, as we read the scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, we read through this lens of our Savior Jesus, and it does absolutely change everything, even right down to this idea that a child is born and a son is given. Ever wonder why, why did God do it that way, right? Couldn't he have just, like, become human? <laughs> Couldn't, I mean, he could do anything. Why didn't he just, boop, pop in as, like, a 30-year-old, right, and just start ministry, get ready to go? Even the way in which he becomes incarnate, and it's foretold in the Old Testament, all the way back, for sure in Isaiah and many other places, this child being born and a son given is to inform the Jesus lens that we read Scripture through because there's a cascading effect of the firstborn. The firstborn child, firstborn son, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. And if you ever wonder, like, why is that? Like, what's the big deal about his son? Why isn't the firstborn girl really super important too? Yes, absolutely. But there's something unique about this context of Jesus being the firstborn and a son. It's actually really what informs all of these other traditions that 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 many cultures have. Our culture still to an extent. Right, the firstborn son, especially like in an agricultural community, farmers, right? The firstborn son and the farm and all of that, that's a whole thing. And I don't pretend to understand it, I just know it's a thing, right? I'm not a farmer, but it's a thing. So this, this idea of the firstborn son, Jesus, 
the Messiah being born, born of a woman. Born of a woman, right? Well, obviously, right? They're not born of a man. (laughs) Born of a woman, meaning if firstborn daughter was the Messiah, there'd be no males involved. Ever thought of it that way? Virgin, remember? I don't know if we have to go back to fifth grade for you guys. We're all good? How this works? Right? Okay. Mary has a child apart from any man, but the child born is a man. So now we have this better, more fully complete picture of humanity. And all things came through Adam. Remember, Adam was created, and then Eve was taken from Adam from his rib, right? So sin enters through one, and it's a dude. Sorry, fellas, it wasn't Eve. It was really Adam, right? And so all things redeemed will come through this one. So even even in just the idea that the firstborn son that goes well before Jesus as a a mark of something important, the firstborn son is, is really an important thing. That is baked into the culture in the Old Testament to point us to Jesus, that this is special and unique. And not because men are special and unique, but because the way in which all of this is going to unfold is absolutely perfect in how God has ordained each and every little detail of the plan of salvation. And the cascading effect of the firstborn as a son is only part of it. The cascading effect of the firstborn child. It's way bigger than I ever imagined. And I'm talking to a lot of moms and dads. You guys get this, but... Um, try and go back with me in your mind, or if, if you don't have kids or, or don't have kids yet, whatever it is, just pay attention to this because it's way bigger of a deal than you think. When I got married, and I get it, right? I'm, I'm married now. I'm responsible. I'm, I'm an adult. I'm, I'm the man, the provider, all that kind of stuff, right? All those, those weird young person ideas about marriage and, and husband and wife stuff, and then and then you have a kid, and everything changes, right? Everything changes. Because like in my head, I sort of knew I have responsibilities for my wife. But like if, if I just begged off those responsibilities for a day, she's fine, <laughs> right? She's a grown-up. She's competent. Like she can make her own breakfast, lunch, and dinner all by herself. But then you have a kid, and you're like, they can't do that. <laughs> like every single day, I have to make sure all of this kid's needs are met. If I don't meet all of my wife's needs for one particular day, that's it's okay. It's not good, but she's going to live. She's going to survive. But man, you have a kid. That's the difference between being husband and all of a sudden I go from a, a dude who's now a husband to dad. And I don't, I don't pretend to know what it's like to go from woman, wife, mom but I've watched it happen, and it seems significant, right? It seems like a really big deal. So, so the kid changes fundamentally two human beings just by arriving. But that's just the beginning. Because there's a, 
a dad and a mom and another dad and another mom who now have become grandma and grandpa. And holy cow, that is a whole different thing. And I am looking forward to it because it sounds like the best, right? It's, it's all the cute and snuggly and, and, and they smell so wonderful. And then the moment they don't, you just say, eh, there we go, right? <laughs> like, your problem. But, but that, that changed for me. What I noticed that was the biggest about that is, is my dad went from dad to grandpa, but then for me, he went to, how do I be a dad, dad, <laughs> right? How, now he's, he's fathering a father to, to teach a father how to be a father. Whole different relationship. And then there's these knuckleheads hanging out there. And I was actually the first knucklehead in my family. My brother had the first grandchild. I went from just some guy to uncle. Like, what does that mean, uncle? Like, what do I do? Should I do something? Like, I'm obligated, obviously, for, for shenanigans, right? I should definitely get this kid in trouble a lot. And that's part of my job. But I should probably also, I don't know, birthday and, and Christmas. And there should be some other things. So it's, you see how it's, it's one kid has changed all of these people just by showing up. Jesus changes so much just showing up, just arriving on the scene, right? It's, it, it is that significant, but it's that significant by a thousand, by orders of magnitude. Jesus shows up on the scene, and that cascading event, it's like the one domino that hits the two, that hits the four, and everything all of a sudden goes. Jesus just arriving on the scene changes the way that we read all of Scripture. For thousands of years, we had this holy book that the people of Israel cherished and memorized and knew, and now all of a sudden, it goes from the book to the Old Testament, right? It changed. It went from a book of prophecy to the thing in the future to the reality of right now. And as those people read this, they said, to us a child is born. It's no longer will be born in their minds. It is, this child is here. The government on his shoulders, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, all of these things are right now. But the Romans are still here. And the problems I have still exist. See, now you can't read your own personal Jesus into this text. The, the people who had memorized Isaiah for generations are going, but it's all still here, especially his death and his resurrection, and he ascends. They go, but all of this is unchanged in that regard. Well, that's because when you stop reading with the Jesus, when you stop reading it about yourself, your personal context, you start to see the kingdom of God. And you recognize there is a government, an organization that is so much bigger than the United States, Canada, the European Union. It's bigger than all of that. It is the kingdom of heaven. We have a king who reigns over angels and archangels and all the heavenly hosts, that his dominion isn't these borders that, that keep countries secure, fences and walls and guards. His kingdom is all of the earth and then those stars and planets out there as well. 
we start to see that we are little ants in a colony and there is a creator so much bigger. See, the lens of Jesus shows to us this cascading effect where suddenly the, the problems that we have need to be viewed differently. And we have to stop being so selfish reading scripture. We have to stop being so, so self-minded as we, we consider our lives just because Jesus shows up. It, it forces us. Jesus being born a baby forces us to, to stop looking at self and start paying attention to somebody else. This, this is what happens when you have kids, right? When, when you have kids, you can pay a lot of attention to yourself. You can go to the gym whenever you want. You can have dinner whenever you want. You can go to bed whenever you want. You can wake up whenever you want. You can do whatever you want. But then a baby shows up, and suddenly you're forced to have a different understanding of who you are and your own responsibilities, just because the baby's here. Jesus shows up in our lives. It changes our understanding of who we are and our responsibilities. And it reminds us this child, this, this baby born to us, is taking upon himself the greater responsibilities of the kingdom. This one is going to be the one who defeats death. This one is going to be the one who deals with the sin problem. This baby is going to be the one who satisfies God. That's the, the biggest piece. That, that's difficult still even for a guy who's a dad of a, of a 19-year-old who's all grown up and he's out, right? He's self-sufficient. He's good to go. And, and hopefully I'll have five more of those, <laughs> right? Out and gone. We're good. But for me, I still hold on to, maybe it's sinful, maybe it's, I don't know, I still hold on to a little bit of responsibility for him. And I think we all do for all of our kids. At some point, we hold on just a little bit, like, ah, man, we want, to, we want to step in, we want to intervene, we want to do something. We want to do something. With, with this child, this one grows up perfect, without sin. Not just a regular dude, a regular man. This one is God. And we don't hold on to the responsibility of, of any last bit. He just takes all of it to the cross. So God is satisfied 100% with this kid. God is satisfied 100% with the life and death, the sacrifice offered for our sins. He doesn't need me to pitch in. This doesn't need to be a group effort. And, and at the end of the day, this child that is born, because he dies, because he's raised, because my faith in him causes me to have this, this forgiveness of sins and everlasting life, there's a new cascading effect. It's a cascading effect of faith. Cascading effect of faith is actually really similar to all the stuff we just talked about. First part of faith and Jesus recognizes this. He's my brother. So that's, it, it changes who I am in terms of siblings. We say all the time, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Good Christians will often greet each other. What's up? 
my brother in Christ, or this is my sister in Christ. We say that thinking about each other all the time. But do you say it thinking of Jesus as your brother? You are a brother or sister to him. Because he is born into this world, because he's born of a woman taking on flesh, becoming human, he is now one of us. And so because he has satisfied everything that dad wanted, everything that dad needed, he satisfied the wrath of dad. The sin of all of us was owed to the father, and this kid took care of it. Talk about a really good older brother, right? Like, I wish I had an older brother. (laughs) I won't get into it. (laughs) My older brothers. This older brother, he didn't need any of his siblings' help. He didn't need any of his sisters, any of his brothers to pitch in a little bit. This son of God satisfies the father, but because we're brothers and sisters, the inheritance that he has in Jesus is also ours. That's how this works. The inheritance, of course, is the resurrection. It is eternal life. It is a new heavens and a new earth. So this Christmas, when we think about it's better to give than it is to receive, and we scratch it out in our minds, we go, no, no, no. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. That's why it's more blessed. Because every time we give, it's a little reminder. Like I do a surprise in the box all the time. Next time you play with a dinosaur, remind yourself, blah, blah, blah. That's the idea. When we give, it's a reminder of this child that was given to all of mankind. But not just that. This child then gives to those who believe eternal life. And the cascading effect of faith is not only is Jesus my brother, and not only are you a brother or sister to this child, but as soon as your mind goes from that to the bigger Jesus lens and we see the kingdom instead of this one lens we've been reading scripture or our situations through this this small lens that's about us or it's about others or it's about whatever it is, suddenly that lens gets really, really big. As soon as, as that happens, all of those other things seem to just tip over and go away. Right? It's, it's not that they're not a big deal or not a problem or that I don't experience it. It's I'm just seeing something different. I'm seeing a kingdom where there is a, a king above all things. I'm seeing a kingdom and, and a resurrection eternity without these problems that I'm, I'm suffering today. This is all a temporary thing. And I'm also seeing in this lens Other people who are brothers and sisters of Jesus with their own flaws, with their own sin, with their own mistakes, but they're a brother or sister in Jesus. And so if the Father loves them because of their relationship with Jesus, so do I. Or maybe I'm even seeing people who aren't yet of the faith and brothers and sisters in Jesus. And those flaws and sins and imperfections mean so much less to me because they don't know Jesus yet. See, that lens just changes the way we see absolutely everything in this world, how how I organize my life, how I I raise my children, how I interact with my spouse, how I see my own brothers and sisters in my family, in my church. Anyway, everything changes just because 
To us a child is born. To us a son is given. It absolutely wrecks any idea that my life is about me, my world is about me, and that who I am needs to be defined in any other way than who this child is to me. This Christmas, I want you to think of it this way. You get a big brother in Jesus, which is usually backwards, right? They usually come first. (laughs) But this one, this baby that we celebrate in Christmas is your big brother, who is also God and does for you what only the firstborn of God could ever do. So let's celebrate this Christmas, this birthday of Jesus, knowing that it changes fundamentally who we are. Amen. May the peace which surpasses human understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. All right, those kiddos will be coming back. Just again, a reminder, Omega Hour is off for this week, and then we're going to go ahead and and have the elders meeting back around that corner. Um, And then Christmas program. You guys all set? Ready to go? Yay! Christmas program next week. Woohoo! All right. Um, would you please stand and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the gift of your son Jesus and how it changes who I am. How this child born to us, this son that is given, absolutely changes everything about my life and this whole world. I ask, Heavenly Father, that this Christmas as we do give and as we see that blessing that it is to give to others, you would remind us of how blessed we are to receive your son Jesus this season. In his name we pray, amen. Receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give to you his peace. Amen.